0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDSE.
1: There is now a greater purpose to tonight as we gather as a football community and to lead us in, in some regard is Mike Sheehan. Mike, it's great to have you on AFL Nation tonight. Thanks for taking the call.
0: Hi, Jared. No, it's a sad day. and I mean, we, we have. Se- I was really mortified by last night's loss. But uh, then you hear the news about Baras. And, I mean, he, he's been the preeminent figure in my football journey for the best part of 70 years. We'll he's ask, the biggest, yeah. biggest name and the most imposing figure. And, and I knew Ron quite well. You know, I, never, I generally don't claim football people as close friends, but I knew Ron well and I, and I loved what he did on the football field and had a deep affection for him off the field.
1: So our condolences to you, Mike, and thank you for taking the call in the the circumstances. Were you aware that that
0: the end was near? Uh, Yes and no. I knew he was in care, and uh, I often see um, his wife and his PA uh, in Albert Park sort of having lunch, and I always ask about Ron. um, And he wasn't going well, but I think there was no suggestion that the the end was nigh. And um, I I went... into the Sereno Pub at about 5:45 tonight with a mate, and someone said I'd said about Ron, and I said, "What do you mean?" And they said he's gone. And it's just a, the shock really genuinely hit me. Not quite like a family member, but someone that that left a huge impression on me. And I um I only stayed there for ten minutes and then came home. So what is his
1: place, Mike? Is perhaps more than any other, we would regard him as the icon of Australian
0: football. Yeah, I think so. I think the coaching, the playing, and the fact, and his national perspective. I mean, I think that gets forgotten a bit. Mm-hmm. But he was huge in the development and the expansion of, of this game. And Kevin Sheedy followed in his footsteps and has done a similar job. But they're so important to what to the evolution of the national competition on a night. It's ironical on, on a night when the Victorians will be glued to the television to watch two non-Victorian teams play in the AFL.
1: He had a lovely shorthand for it. If there were three numbers that could encapsulate it all, it was 17, 4, and 10, and at some point he added that to his signature.
0: <laughs> Correct. He did. He always did that. And I know he's genuinely and, and rightly proud of... But that's an amazing record, isn't it? 17 grand finals and, and, uh, and the 10 premierships. And, and I saw... My earliest memory of Ron was the 58 grand final, uh, which was played in the wet. Melbourne were chasing their fourth flag in a row. Collingwood was the enemy... Uh, as it so often was. Um, and Brass wore number two because the AFL changed all the players' jumpers yes. because the son of the day had published the jumpers in the jumper numbers in the paper that morning. Oh, is that <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> That's extraordinary. So brass, so brass wore number two. Oh. Hey,
2: Mike, can you remember for us the, the two sides of Ron? There was the combative football figure that is larger than life and then there's the Ron Barassi, who was the quiet version of his, um, of his of himself. Can can you put the two alongside and briefly tell us who they both were?
0: Well, I think the combative side. So everyone's aware of the combative side of Ron. I'm not sure he was ever quiet, Andy. I think no. he was a bit more measured, measured and mellow as he got older. But he is a good word. You know, he was com- combative even in conversation, um, but sadly, uh, dementia struck. Uh, and we know the terrible impact that that has on people. And for the last, my my guess would be the last five to eight years, Ron just hasn't been the Barassi that we knew and loved. I mean, it, Ron still looked good. I saw him six months ago, I reckon. Um, and he still, he's still that massive physical presence that we're familiar with. But um, it, it was just impossible to have a conversation with him. And oddly enough, um, he and I seem to have a code word. Now, I'm not claiming... <laughs> Don't have me painting myself as Brass's best mate, but we would see each other and greet each other, and I would always call him Shags, and, and, <laughs> and it, seemed to, it seemed to turn the light on with him. And then we would you know, go through the motions and chat as well as he could. But um, so, you I we are very fond of him, and I, I think uh, there was the player that, that everyone admired. Certainly, everyone at Melbourne admired, and even if you weren't a Melbourne supporter, you have to. Acknowledge how good he was. I'll tell you, for those who didn't see him play, um, and Dermot, you'll relate to this. He was, he, my view was, he was Paul Kelly uh, with an extra dimension.
3: Yeah, that he, he, he was, uh, uh, Mike, so, yeah, so sorry. And, and please, I um, uh, share in the commiserations forwarded to you and the family. Um, on the football side, we know how legendary he was, but just to, to, to set a picture of the, the other side, he was a mishmash of, of of all things. Like I was telling Andy before, he he called me around once, and, he, and it was just to play a game of chess. And yeah. then on other times, he would be scathing to people. And then you'd walk outside the clubroom door, and he'd put his arm around you and say, "Is this the same right. bloke who just swore at me?" <laughs> and then he, I can recall a time where he said, oh, "I'm so proud of myself," and I said, "What have you? Why?" And he said, I got up on the seawall, on the Bluestone seawall at the St Kilda end of the Beaconsfield Parade and I walked to Port Melbourne along the top of the (laughs) Bluestone. And he had, you remember, he'd set himself little achievable targets, but he had to do them. He was so combative and and such a competitor.
0: Well, you were right. The the chess is a great example because you imagine someone like Barass playing chess but he did, he loved chess, and he was the same with table tennis. I mean, he loved playing table tennis with people and beating them, obviously. And that was so, he was still doing that sort of in recent months. He was still able to sort of have the, the ball and bat in hand and, 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 and play that game. But that was him. I mean, while the contest was on, there was no one fiercer in the, in the country. But then he, was, he had shared that, as we all do, that sort of great love of football, and that took precedence with him.
3: And, and I loved the fact that even as an elderly gent, and, and he copped a whack for it, it was really nasty, but he had that sense of uh, that gentlemanly chivalry about it. Remember the, on the street of Fitzroy Street, some bloke was, was getting into some girl and he stood in the way and the bloke whacked him. But Ron could not allow, remember that? He, Ron could not allow, he had a great sense of justice as well. He could not allow that injustice to continue.
0: That would, have, that would have destroyed the image, Dermot. If we'd have read that Ron was a passive onlooker when, when some woman was being assaulted in the street, it wouldn't have been baratting.
2: Mike, why was... He, why, sorry, why was he so yeah. hard on the most talented players?
0: Um, because... I can't give you the quote that will prove that, Andy. It was in the book, <laughs> The Club. You remember the John yeah. Powers book about... And it was to do... I think he was saying... Let me put it this way. I think he was saying that if you're talented, it's a quirk of conception, right? <laughs> and then, then you have a responsibility if you're born with those uh, those genes that can make you a, a great footballer, that you owe it to yourself and to everyone else to maximise those, uh, those talents. It was such a great study,
3: Mike, in people who strive for perfection. I recall one time when I was at the Sydney Swans, we were about to start training, and he looked down as he was about to uh, uh, let the address wander, and he looked at someone's boots and he said, why have you got your, the knots in your shoelaces directly on top of your feet? And I said, I don't know, coach. And he said... He made him bend down and adjust the length of his laces so the knot tied up on the side. And he said, there you go. It won't affect the ball now. <laughs> and that took 15 you know minutes for that? him to go through it.
0: Huh. And you know who else learnt the lesson from that? Malcolm Blythe. Yep. He was the same as his players. Don't have the knot where it can impact on the the uh, the impact with the footing.
3: Yeah, he, well, he as I say, well. stry-
0: a striving for perfection in any angle that he could find and he did that throughout his life when he was born that way wasn't he i think he would have to admit that he was born that way um but he's just his contribution to every aspect of the game was just immense and and i'm full of admiration for kevin Sheedy because i think he's followed down the same path and and those two not single-handedly because there were people like alan ayla and others that were involved but they have given us the national competition there's no question about that
1: That's so interesting, I think. So the greatness, but then the revolutionary aspect to it. And it's there routinely. So it's there when he moves from Melbourne to Carlton and the historic ripple effect of that. It's there when he changes the way Carlton play at halftime in a grand final and the ripple effect of that. It's there when he goes to North Melbourne and then it's there when he's conscripted to go to Sydney. So as well as greatness and and the pioneer aspect, he, he seems like an absolute
0: revolutionary, Mike. Well, Jared, you, you talk about going to Carlton. He went. His um, his last game at Melbourne was the '64 premiership, of which he was captain. His next appearance on AFL field was as captain coach of Carlton. Mm-hmm. So he was. He wanted to take those challenges on, and he did that several times in his life. when I mean, he we even went back to Melbourne when when they were a hopeless case, and he went to Sydney when it looked like a lost cause. So he just believed I think he believed in himself, but I think he believed he had a responsibility to do that for the future of the game.
2: As coach, did he have a favourite player ever throughout the many coaching stints that he had? Um,
0: one I know of, and it won't surprise any of you three. When he was at North, I'm sure that Wayne Schimmel was his favourite
2: player. Okay, right Yeah, I thought you were going to say Brent Croswell. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd go... He, well, he would. The Schimmel. Tiger Croswell, he did,
0: had to be up there as well, wouldn't he? Well, I don't. No, I would. Um, I know his, his um, reverence for Shimmer, and Shimmer played the way Barras played, and, and I think I reckon he would have been in many tangles with with Closer about uh, how you play the game and <laughs> why don't you tune in and give us a bit more than you have, but you'd never say that to Wayne Bush.
1: Has the game? It feels like there's been an idea from time to time. Has the game adequately? Honored Ron Barassi, Mike, or is this going to be one of those moments where the enlightenment comes after his
0: passing? Well, it generally does. Um, but I um, mean, he's, he's a legend of the AFL. Uh, he's um, There's a statue at the MCG of Brass, isn't there? Yep. Come yes. on, you three, your football. Yeah. Yes, there no, yes, there is. Of yes, course, yes, there, is. There, there is. There there is. is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm, not, I'm not sure what more you can do. I mean, he's. I don't know off the top of my head, Jared, how you would uh, uh, um, innovate another honour that would just take that to another to the next level. Who who was more of the rascal,
3: Barras or EJ? Because they used to tangle verbally a little and and sparred uh, and and, and Mm -hmm. joust with each other in a good spirited
0: nature. Yeah. Well. Well, um, EJ was known as Mr. Football. And, and he perpetuated that that, that image, and he, and he used to call Barass "Mrs. Football," and, 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 and Barras didn't like that, as you would expect. But um, EJ was the more the more accomplished footballer, and, and you know if you were talking about sort of selling the game, we based on EJ more than Barass. But you would be just as happy with Barass leading you out on a grand final, no question. I mean, his record says that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, he goes
2: to the Grave of Melbourne Man uh, and you are one of those as well. Did you ever fear that you might have lost him to Prince's Park and the Navy Blues?
0: Not really. Uh, no, I think the history says that people who change clubs tend to go back to their original club when it's all yeah. over. Uh, I think, you, Dermy, you would, I suspect where you start, that's where yeah. your emotional bonds are yeah, set. Yeah, most do, uh, yep. Yeah, and, and it was as, as much as... I think he genuinely loved what he did at uh, at the other clubs he went to, but Melbourne yep. was where the heart was. Yeah. Do you
1: have a favourites, <laughs> a, a favourite clip or a, a favourite reading of of Ron that that comes to your mind as you as you think back on his life tonight? Um,
0: I, well, one I do, Jared. We, we have there's a group of us in football, if I can include myself as someone who was in football, uh, and it's called the Piscean Club. And we have a dinner at Duca once a year, uh, pre-season, for all the blokes that we know who are born under the Pisces sign. And Ron was one of those. And um, I remember people, there were a couple of outsiders came in, and one night we said to a mate of Richard Collis's, you're sitting between Peter Hudson and Ron Barassi. (laughs) <laughs> and the bloke couldn't speak until about quarter to 10. He just, he just, he just sat there, all overawed by these two famous names. Um, so I used to enjoy him there because that was social. Uh, and, you know, th- those folks like Huddo, Bartlett, Jerry Healy was there, um, um, Barass, all those folks, they sort of, they see themselves on the same level. And it was just fascinating for someone like me to sit around there and listen to their conversation.
1: It's a lovely reminiscence it tonight, sure Mike. Is. Thank yeah, you for man. taking the time with us and I'm sure that you'll you'll be involved in a lot of conversations, public and private from here, so thanks for having that with us publicly.
0: Thanks, boys. Good, good on, on, you. Good Mike, on you, Mike Sheehan.
3: The passing of Ron Barassi tonight, aged eighty seven.